Welcome to Swordnut Radio. This episode is a system spotlight for the Inspector's role-playing game. This is intended as reference for people who want to know how to play the game and understand how we play it, without us having to explain it at the start of every session. There's also some discussion afterwards that's worth listening to, containing tips on how to run a good game. Hi, I'm Paul. I usually GM the 5th edition games, but today I'm not. Hi there, I'm Alex. I usually sit and play the games, but today I'm the interviewer. So today's system spotlight is on Inspectors. Now this is a game we play as sort of filler material, but it's an awesome, awesome, awesome game. Inspectors was created by Memento Mori Theatrics. They have a minimal presence right now, but they are still coming out with things. And it was written about 2002-ish. It's one of the very first storytelling games, uh, by which I mean a game where the story and the mechanics are very closely bound up. In other words, the fluff and the crunch are kind of put together. Right. So if you had to sum up Inspectors into one sentence, what would you say? A holiday for the GM. (laughs) That's it. Definitely. Very, very easy for the GM to run. Tell us a little bit about the basic mechanics. All right. So everything is based on dice pools. And you're rolling d6s. So you need a ton of d6s. And everything is measured in dice. You have skills, which you have a number in. And that number is the number of dice you roll. You have bad things that happen to you called stress. And you have a stress roll. And the the, the magnitude of that stress means how many dice you roll. Is it a, a four die stress roll? Is it a three die stress roll, for example? And when you make a roll to do something or a skill roll, let's say, roll your dice, and you're looking for this, the highest result. So you're not looking to add anything together, you're just looking for the highest result. And based on that, you have a small table that tells you what happens in story terms. If you roll low, the GM hoses you. If you roll high, you determine one or maybe two facts to story points, things that move things along for yourself. So the GM does not come up with the story at all. It's the players rolling high that move the story along. And that earns you dice. Earns you what's called franchise dice. So the GM, to control the story and control the pace, sets out a number of franchise dice that you must earn before the story is over. And as you tick down, then you know that you have to be moving the story on more and more and more and coming to a conclusion once those franchise dice are gone. Okay, so you mentioned stress. How does that work? Okay, so stress is like a skill roll in that you'll be given a pool of dice to roll and the player rolls those dice, not the GM. The GM barely ever rolls dice. And what happens is you roll those dice and you're looking for the lowest result. So the more dice you roll, the more chance you have a roll in a low number. And based on that, there's again a one to six point scale that says what happens. You roll a one, you completely wig out and lose your shit. You roll a six, you are not phased you then describe what happens to your character. The dice give you a prompt to say, this is what you need to be describing now. This is what you need to be thinking of, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the only time the GM ever rolls the game is to start the game. How do you start a game up? Um, well, in the inspector's book, you could just come up with a plot hook yourself as a GM, and all you need is one single idea. So, you know, a client, for example. The game is set up so that essentially you are playing an episode in a fly-on-the-wall series, be that straight-laced or comedic, following the inspectors, inverted commas, and you are 
a a group of people, you're a company, you're set up to deal with supernatural problems that people have so that they don't have to. Like your exterminators slash ghostbusters slash men in black. However you want to flavor it. When you start up, most often what you do is you run through, like with Fate, for example, you run through what kind of company you want to be, where you are, how rich you are, all that sort of stuff. And there are a... In in the core book, there are a set of questions that the GM should start asking. You know, where are you based? How big is the franchise that you've got? Are you part of the main inspectors or are you on your own? Are you well financed or did you max out all your credit cards? That sort of stuff. You know, what kind of premises do you have? All those sorts of things. And then you start rolling characters and rolling for resources. There is also a table to roll on to establish the plot hook. And again, it's all D6s, so this is the only roll that the GM will ever make, and that is rolling on that table to figure out who your client is when you start. That's it. So we've already gone, gone over a couple of the points why this game's a bit different from all the other games we've been playing, but is there anything else you've not mentioned about what makes Inspectors unique? Yeah, I think it goes along with that episodic nature, with that idea that you're it, it's a thing that you're filming almost. It's a fly-on-the-wall fly documentary. And that is the confessional. And it's a mechanic that is entirely narrative. You don't roll anything for it. And there is one opportunity for a confessional per scene that you're playing. And what it is, is, is uh, if you remember all the, the sort of 90s films and TV things like The Real World and or Big Brother, for example, where... You get to go in. More recently, like Parks and Recreation use it as well, don't they? Yeah, and The Office, I think, as well, when they just have someone talking to camera. You know, it's, it's done after the fact, and you get to establish facts and, um, things that have happened. So if you want to do something that's useful and moves the story on and say, just take the confessional and say, oh, it's a good thing we brought the What's a Majiggy Doodah that we made earlier, um, to this scene, because it gave us the clue we wanted. And that clue was, boom. So you don't have to roll for anything, you know, you're thinking, right, I just need to move this on, here's the confessional. Or, you can use it to establish something about another character. So, the example I always give is, um, let's say you're on the phone to someone and you want to establish a fact about them, so you just go, right, I'm going to take the confessional, this is my confessional, okay, uh, talking to this guy is great, but his Tourette's is horrible. <laughs> you know, and so from that point on, that character has to play that. That is added to it. The rule about the confessional is that you can only add to a scene. You can't subtract. You can't go, um, you know, that thing that the GM hosed us with didn't happen. You can't do that. Uh, you can't take away power from other players and say you know, this guy just collapsed and then took no further part in all of this because you have that power because you're you're saying things after the fact. You know, it's like, you know, it's a week later and you're doing the pickups for the producers. And so you're all doing these interviews. Um, it's whatever you say in that interview kind of thing. So you must add to a scene. And it is optional as to whether a character takes on the thing that you're saying. You know, y- you can say, ah, oh, I'm not doing that, dude. You know, it's for whatever reason. But if you do play it, if you do keep going with those things, then the GM can give you bonuses. It can give you uh, rewards for doing that. All right. So um, when you're starting up your game, how do the players roll up their characters? So a character has four skills, which cover anything that you want to do in the game. Academics for finding things out, researching, figuring stuff out, 
athletics for doing anything physical whatsoever. It's in athletics. Uh, from firing a gun to running down the street to um, balancing on a ledge. It's all athletics. Then you've got technology, which is doing anything with any sort of device. So using a, bi uh, a cool space gun or making a space gun would be technology. You would also have contacts as your last skill. And contacts is anything to do with people and talking at all. So it's whether you know someone or whether you are talking to your client, you make a contact role. What does the client tell you? So rather than the GM say, come in and, and play that client, you make a contact role. And if you roll well, you determine what that client tells you. So from the get-go, the story is in the player's hands. You also have a thing called cool, which is um, the way that the GM can reward a player or if they roll really high on a stress roll, for example, is you get cool, and that enables you to ignore the lowest result on a stress roll, for example, or you can spend it and um, heal up some of your stats. Those stats start off at a maximum, and they will go down, because when you roll stress rolls, some of the results of those stress rolls can say, um, right, lose a number of dice in skills equal to the, the number you rolled. So if you roll a two... Um, then you, you lose two dice from your skill pools and you choose which ones they are or something appropriate. Um, so those are going to go down and they might hit zero. You also uh, start with your character and you're supposed to have a position within this company, this inspector's company. So you've got to figure out what it is you do. That's not that important. But what's important is figuring out what you did before you joined the company because, you know, you'll have had other jobs. You know, you'll have done other things in your life. And so you come up with a talent, and that is the thing that you're good at. Maybe it was the job you had last, maybe it's just the weird thing you can do with your tongue that no one else can. Um, but something that you reckon you could probably squeeze in to any role, something pretty vague, maybe something really specific. But as long as you are applying that talent, you can roll an extra die in your in your pool. Even if you've got none left in your pool after all these stress rolls, um, let's say you know you, you want to make a contact roll uh, to talk this guy down off a ledge, but you've got nothing left in contact. You can say, well, my talent was that I was a, a theatre major, so I'm going to um, just go through a script that I had that did this, and hopefully it'll work. And you get to roll a die. We did that in a game, didn't we? <laughs> Do we? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my character was an ex-theatre major, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a good one to have. It's one of the ones they give you in the book is is theatre theatre minor because um, you you can crowbar it into all sorts of situations and it helped you out, didn't it? You know, just it did. shouting it was... slogans at people. <laughs> it was probably the most useful um, trait I took on in the end. Yeah, <laughs> and sometimes you'll have um, a talent that you think is going to be really useful and never comes up, or you just sort of forget about it. Uh, you know, I think Mike's talent in that thing was that he was the most mediocre man in the world, and we tried so hard to crowbar that in, it never really worked. Yeah, well, it sounded funny on paper, but <laughs> it didn't really translate that well. Yeah, there's also um, an optional rule. Uh, I don't think it's in the core rules, but a lot of people do play it, and that is faults. You know, you, you have a fault and, um, you know, it's some sort of character defect that your other players give you. And all of these things, all these things of coming up with a plot, coming up with your character traits and things like that can be determined by the other players you just talk or talk it over the table 
And whoever's role it is, whoever's character is doing the thing, decides what you're going to go with. So if you if you roll the dice and you say suddenly you have to come up with two things now that move the plot along, and you're like, ah, right, okay, I'm on the spot. You can just open it up to the table and you decide what it is you want to take. You know, lots of people will have lots of ideas. Character creation is is kind of a round table idea, but you start with four skills and you've got nine points to distribute between all those skills. You can't have less than one. You can't have more than four. So you're probably going to be good in something. You're not going to be good at everything. And that's mm-hmm. it done. It's a really simple process. And coming up with the talent is the main thing about your character, really. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that with some stress rolls that some of your talents might go down to zero. What happens then? Well, you can't use that talent. Sorry, you, you can't use that skill unless you can crowbar your talent into it. But you also have this pool of common resources so the idea is you work for a company you've got things available to you so they they do this by um uh, the bank and several cards and again it's all in dice so you have these pools of dice that you distribute between cards that are specific to skills so you have the business card for example for contacts you have the library card for academics you have the gym card for uh, athletics and you have the credit card for technology and if you've got nothing left there or you just you really want to have a, a, a pool of things to draw from, you take dice from those pools. You determine where you put them. Like the GM will say, well, you've got six to distribute how you like, do what you want with them at the start of the game. And just just part of the organization. It's part of those those prompts that the GM is, is supposed to use to ask players how they want to set things up. The bank, however, can be used for any skill. But you roll it separately from the other pool of dice. So, okay, I want to make a contact roll. I've got nothing in there, so I'm going to take everything from the bank. That's fine. Do you know it's all bank dice? Or let's say you just want to add one from the bank. You just got one. You've already got a three. It seems like it's an important roll. Okay, I just want to add one from the bank. You roll that bank dice separately. So you'd roll your three and you add your bank dice separately. It still counts towards the result, and if it's a higher number, you take that. All right? But that bank die has consequences. So if you roll low, you might lose everything in the bank. If you roll high, you might gain interest. You might gain another dice in the bank. Um, and so it tends to be a bit scary to use. <laughs> All right. So since the players are actually creating the scenario, how does um, exploration and interaction work? Well, you just roll on your skills. Inspectors is kind of all about putting the players on the spot. For the GM, you just sort of sit back and let it happen and all you really have to do is is keep them making rolls so you don't have to figure out how any of this works if they're starting to flag then you make a suggestion and just go well what kind of role do you want to make next or uh what does your character want to do next about that and you know or maybe prompting them to open it up to all the other players to decide um and literally you're just chairing it so the exploration interaction and combat um, you know, for a, for a combat, you don't make any opposed rolls. The GM does not roll. Um, you would just make a, if you wanted to, to tackle a, a, you know, a suspect to the floor or whatever, then you would make an athletics roll. And based on that roll, okay, you earn franchise dice. If you earn franchise dice, then you move the thing on. But you determine what happens. So you determine, even if you roll really well, maybe it gets away, but you tear a piece of clothing off, you know, his, um, his jacket or something, or you, you manage to get hold of something that gives you a clue and that moves on. Or maybe you roll a one and fail horribly, 
but you still pin the guy, but you know, you lose your bowel and bladder in the process. Um, <laughs> or, you know, you, 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 you horribly mangle the guy so he dies and so your, you know, all of your clues are gone because you can't ask this guy any questions. You know, to take you to make it, you know, dark for a, for a moment. <laughs> but Inspectors is mostly, is mostly a comic game, so. Does that, does that, does that work for you? Yeah. Cool. So, in your professional opinion, what are your um, tips to having a good inspector's game? Yeah, because you pay me for this. <laughs> I pay you in sanity points. <laughs> pay me in tears. Uh, <laughs> so, having a good game is mostly about having a good atmosphere at the table. It's having the GM move things on and keep things going. And you know what? If people aren't coming up with ideas, you come up with ideas, like you're a player yourself. You know, if you're having better ideas than they are, or they're thinking, you know, oh, I'm on the spot all the time, then give them something. And if that means playing an NPC um, for a moment, and rather than have them make a role, is you just give them some facts. They don't earn any franchise dice. They don't move the story along in terms of the pace, but you can give them some facts to start working with. So very often at the start of the game, Rather than say, you talk to the client, what do they tell you? So, okay, you're talking to the client, um, and the client says this. You know, you've made a role to start with to see how it's going for your, your plot hook. You know, you put the plot hook in and then you back off. Having a light touch, I think, is what makes a good game for that. And for the players, I think it's the law of improv. It's, you don't say no, you say yes and. And you, you, you've got to add to it. It's, it's, it's very much like fiasco or just improv theatre where you don't ever stop anyone being creative, even if they're having horrible ideas <laughs> that are rubbish. Don't stop. You say yes and, and you build off what someone is doing. Or maybe you take it and go into a different direction with it. Or you go, yes, but here's this other thing as well. Or, you know, and don't ever stand on what people are saying and, and cut people off necessarily. Let them have their say. And then add to it because you can debate a point and keep going. You don't have to be quick about it as long as you're having fun at the table doing it. You know, the GM, the GM should sort of like look at you and say, are you actually just like not having any ideas anymore? Or are you arguing about how you want it to go? And the GM should then step in and go, okay, you guys, both of you make a roll and whoever gets higher gets to decide, you know, and just, just chair it and move it on. But the players just keep spitballing ideas. Just keep bringing things out. And like, if you know you're going to play an inspector's game, come to the table ready with, um, with talents, with faults that you're going to give to people. Um, or if you want to, to play something yourself, like you, you desperately want to play a character, um, who has like insanely bad body odor, but you think you can make that funny, then, then, then do it and just say, I want to do this. Um, so that, I think that in itself, you know, just, just be ready to do anything, you know, bring, you know, just bring it. Booze helps. <laughs> Booze does help, but um, you can have a lot of fun with inspectors, and don't take it too seriously. And I think maybe the biggest take home that inspectors gives you is that failing is fun. You know, when we play it, sure, like you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but like when we play it, it's it's more fun for you guys when you're getting hosed. You know, or, or when you're you're failing so badly and you just have to say, no, like, yeah, well, I agree, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, tell tell me how it is you break down right now. You know, it's it's so much like you know you can succeed and you're on the spot and you go, all oh, right, we'll have to move this on now. 
but you can always say how you collapse in despair and are unable to function in society and you know um you know or or some horrible thing that happens to your character because you failed a role um I'm pretty sure one of my characters got hit with a tranquilizer dart at some point. And you said, all right, say what happens. <laughs> I just said, oh, so I um, I fall on the floor and lose bowel control. That tends to be it. People tend to tend to get scatological <laughs> when they fail. Um, we had like, I remember there was a game that we didn't record, but um, it was, there was a guy whose fault was that uh, he was, um, in fact, no, we hadn't, we hadn't deserted faults. There was, uh, there was a role that went badly. I think people were making contact with, um, an, an, with a Nigerian, um, community group or something in Manchester. Mm. And I was thinking this could go wrong so badly. And I was so glad we didn't record it, but it was very, it was funny, but he just, he, he rolled a one on his contacts and he just started coming out with all this, Common, you know, comedy racist stuff. I mean, the guy himself, I'll, I'll hasten to add, is, is the most non-racist person you could ever have in your life. Um, and, but he just come out with this stuff. And, um, it was, it's like, and so, and then, and it's like, he's come out with all this stuff. And then, then the way he broke down was, and then I realized what I've said. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just stand there and collapse to the ground and try and back out on my belly to the toilets <laughs> where I start crying. <laughs> and and, and it, there was more effort in explaining that fail than there was of the entire rest of the plot. You know what I mean? That was the most entertaining bit there was. Um, or one of the most entertaining bits. But um, I, I think what happens as well is like once you get over doing that, Everyone then tends to bring that to every game they play, and you just go, "No, failing can be fun, or failing can open a door," and they can bring it to D and D, and they can bring it to Fate and, and the more serious, you know, quote unquote serious games, and suddenly start opening up options. It's not succeed or fail. And I, th- I think I, I I don't want to say that Fate copied from that, but you can see that they really took a leaf out of that book. You know, mm. do you succeed with a cost? You know, that the, there is no, you know, you could play a game of fate and never ever fail a task. You just succeed mm. at huge cost. And I think that, that comes almost directly from inspectors and, and games like it. So, and also inspectors has the game in a card sleeve system prompt. Um, I actually have a, I actually have a thing. Um, I, I, I had, um, a little gaming roll up sleeve thing. It's like, um, you put your pencils and your dice and, 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 and like a character sheet thing in it and it rolls up really small, like a, like small purse size. Um, and I can get something like 20 dice in that, with all these little miniature D6s. And I, and that's just my inspector's thing. So I carry that in my bag everywhere. So I'm always, always, always ready for an inspector's game because the character sheet is a playing card and the rules fit on the back of that playing card. So everything the players need to know fits on one card. You know, if you print it double-sided, it's one tiny little slip of paper. Um, and everything the GM needs to know fits on two. <laughs> and you only have to look at one side of those once. So really all you need is, is, is one playing card as a GM. That's it. Done. Inspectors is owned and distributed by Memento Mori Theatrics. The song was Grind by John Paul Jones. 
Any questions, comments, feedback, please get in touch with us on swordnutradio at gmail.com. That's swordnutradio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>